And, uh, and so it really gets us into uh, this last week, this final week, if you will. If you'll look with me in John chapter number 12 and verse number 1, the Bible says, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany. Now we know that Jesus died on the Passover. And so uh, six days prior to the Passover, the Bible says that this incident, what we'll talk about today, has, it takes place, all right? So we get a timeline on this. I found it very interesting as I did my study, and I'm, I'm doing this from memory, so y'all bear with me. But uh, in, in my studies of this, I, I found that the gospel writers, each one of them devoted a large portion of their writing to this last week, this final week. Uh, each one of them were a little different. John, uh, whom we're reading here in John chapter number 12, he devoted 50% of his gospel was devoted to this last seven days, all right? 50%, I want you to think about that. 50% of the writing is devoted to this last seven days of Jesus here on the earth. Mark, he devoted 40, I think it was like 40%, maybe 42%, but 40 to 42% of his writing was this final week, all right? Uh, uh, Luke, I think Luke was around, uh, 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 Matthew and Luke, I, I can't remember, but anyhow, they were, all of them, let me say it this way, all right? Every single one of them, they all spent at least 25% of their writing was devoted to a seven-day period, all right? Every single one of them. I can't remember who was the least, uh, uh, but every single one of them it was like, one of them was 50%, one of them was in the 40s, one of them was in the 30s, and then the last one was the 25%. And so each one of them, they devoted 25% at least of their gospel writing to the final week, this last week. And we're gonna start this last week in the house of Simon the leper from other uh, 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 stories, other accounts of this. And we're going to start it with Mary and Martha and Lazarus all in the same room. Now, in chapter number 11 in John, which is where we were last week, we had the resurrection of Lazarus. And you'll remember that Martha and Mary was a part of that story as well. But you'll also remember, I hope you do, that we, we, the point that we were bringing out uh, from John chapter number 11 and the resurrection of Lazarus was when Jesus did this act, he set in motion this final week. In other words, it was all come to a head with the resurrection of Lazarus. And we're going to see in this story this morning because we're going to read about 10 verses. And in that last verse, we're going to see that not only did this set in motion Jesus' death, but it also set in motion how they would kill Lazarus as well. And uh, because Lazarus was a testimony, that was why they wanted to kill Lazarus. And uh, Lazarus was a testimony of what Jesus had done. And so we'll see uh, here in the right, or in, in this uh, uh, account, uh, that Lazarus, at this point, his death is also imminent as well. So let's read a little bit, and then we'll get right into this thing. The Bible says, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. And there they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat 
at the table with him. And so uh, it's confusing in this. Uh, I've heard people say that the supper was made for Lazarus. Uh, I tend to believe it was made for Jesus. Uh, but at the same time, uh, it would make sense if it was made, this supper was for Lazarus because they were celebrating the fact that he was raised from the dead. All right. One of the things that I find interesting in this, and we'll talk about it here in a little bit, was Lazarus sat at the table. I'm sorry, but I just feel like if I died and was dead for four days and Jesus rose me, uh, uh, raised me from the dead, I feel like, I mean, I, I, I feel like I wouldn't have much time to sit around. Is everybody all right? Now, I say all of that, and the fact is, is that uh, Jesus has raised you and I from the dead from a spiritual standpoint, and we sit around all the time, all right? So I, I'm not real sure I can make that assumption uh, uh, based on uh, uh, what we see Lazarus doing. We probably would have been in the same place, but the Bible says that he sat at the table with him. In other words, Lazarus sat as one of the disciples, all right? Now, verse number two or three. Then took Mary, all right, a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. And uh, it's interesting that John is writing this, a lot of times we, we feel like, or a lot of times when we read scripture, we feel like that John, or these gospel writers were sitting there the whole time and they were like, oh, this is cool, and they're writing it all down. But John actually wrote this years later. Uh, uh, matter of fact, uh, a generation later, uh, before he wrote this down of what took place. And so uh, he, I, I, what I'm trying to get you to understand this morning is what John remembered about this day. He remembered this. He wasn't writing this down. He didn't take notes on the day or anything else. John is speaking. The Holy Spirit's ministering and speaking through John. And his remembrance was how the house was filled with the odor of the ointment that Mary poured out on to Jesus. The Bible tells us in verse number 4, Then Jesus, uh, uh, then saith, excuse me, one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, uh, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why? John, John's letting, laying it all out. All right. Now, I, there's another point to all of that. John doesn't know all of this at the time that he's writing it. Does everybody understand? John doesn't know that Judas is the betrayer. All right. He doesn't know at this point uh, when this story takes place, they don't, they don't suspect John or uh, Judas at all. Uh, matter of fact, when they're at the table and they're passing around and Jesus says, he who I dip the sop and he eats, uh, he said, that's him. They were all looking around going, is it me? Is it me? Is it me? So they, they had no clue. So now John, once again, we can see he's speaking uh, from remembrance now. He's remembering back, but he has more knowledge. And that's why he's telling us that Simon's son, Judas Iscariot, will betray him. All right, now verse number five. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? And this he said, and here's another example of John that is talking. He's talking here and he's talking about, he's talking about an event that took place but with current knowledge. And so he says, this he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. All right, and had the bag. 
and bear what was put therein. Uh, the, re- the writing of this and the, the understanding of this is bearing what was put in was not only did they give it to him, but he took out freely. That's why John called him a thief, all right? And uh, just so you know, Jesus knew he was a thief. And yet, Jesus allowed him to serve in the capacity of holding the bag. Now, I want you to think about that before you start. Before we start just jumping all over Judas and that, hey, is, he, he's, he deserves every bit of us jumping all over Judas. But I want you to understand Jesus. Judas would betray him. Jesus knew it. Judas was a thief. Jesus knew it. And yet Judah, uh, Jesus gave Judas every opportunity. Every opportunity to receive him, all right? The Bible says, go on, the Bible says, then said Jesus, let her alone. And once again, this is Jesus uh, uh, responding, not to the crowd per se, uh, but to Judas Iscariot. Now, I do believe he was at the point of responding to the crowd as well, but uh, I want to refer to some scripture. If you read this in other accounts, we find out that the disciples also got involved in this. Now, they were all like, yeah, why aren't we doing this? All right, now listen to me. Everybody look at me and listen to me real good. That one person that would betray Christ had influence on those that would never betray him. I'm going to walk over here and say that because you need to hear it. It matters who you hang around with. That one person that would betray Christ, that one person that would turn their back on Jesus and that would absolutely kiss him on the cheek and turn him over to be killed had influence on those that would fight for his life, that would fight to the death. And uh, Simon Peter would. Is everybody all right? Now, we all like to talk about Simon Peter, and we will uh, as we get closer to the drama. Uh, We'll talk about Simon Peter and and his denial of Christ. But I remind you that it was Simon Peter that withdrew his sword, drew his sword out, and cut off the ear of one of the uh, uh, guards that come to take Jesus. And so before we go to say that, that Simon Peter was a coward and he was going to, he, he denied and you have that mentality, understand this, Jesus had to put somebody's ear back on right. because Simon Peter was ready to kill everybody. Is everybody okay? And I, apparently Simon Peter didn't get that whole message about turning the other cheek either, all right? And, uh, but anyhow, <laughs> uh, anyhow I, I'll let you just deal with that however you got to, all right? Uh, but uh, uh, this is uh, the story here, and Jesus is answering, I believe, not only Judas but the disciples, and he says, let her alone against the day of my bearing has she kept this. Jesus is letting them in on a little secret that what she's doing is for his burial, all right? I entitled this saying, This Mary Knew Too. Is everybody all right? Y'all know the song, Mary Did You Know? She knew, by the way, all right? Because the angel Gabriel come and told her. Is everybody all right? (laughs) Mary knew. It's a great song, but Mary Mary, Did You Know? Yes, Mary knew, all right? Now, let me go ahead and throw this. This Mary knew too. All right, this is what I entitled it because of all the disciples, you'll remember, they're struggling to understand how he is operating. They were looking for a Messiah that would come in, overthrow the government, set up his kingdom, and rule. And here Jesus is coming meek 
and lowly. And they did not understand what was going on. A matter of fact, John the Baptist, who you know and I know, had more boldness than any of the disciples, anybody. And John the Baptist even had his doubts about whether or not Jesus was truly the Messiah. The one that began the whole process by saying, Behold, the Lamb of God that cometh to take away the sins of the world, the same one that told his disciples to follow him, the same one that said he must increase and I must decrease, the same one while he was in prison sent disciples to Jesus and said, Are you the Christ or should we look for another? Because he did not understand why Jesus was coming in this capacity. But Mary knew. Of all the disciples, man, I need some ladies to help me out right here. She discerned more than any of the men that was following him. Now that don't make y'all smart because the Bible says that Eve was deceived and not Adam. All right, I'm just throwing that out there. I'm trying to help y'all. Y'all didn't want it. Y'all didn't receive it well. So now we go right back to Eve and just say, listen, God said it. Y'all were deceived, not us. All right, anyhow, let me move on. I'm just picking now. Uh, the Bible says in verse number eight, he says this. Jesus said, all right, she did this for my burial. He says, for the poor always you have with you, but me you have not always. Amen. Now, this would have been a shock to the system. All right? They were expecting the Messiah to set up an earthly kingdom and to rule how long? Forever. <laughs> and now the Messiah is saying, I ain't going to be here all the time. <laughs> do y'all see, see the conflict? Do y'all see how they, I, I, I did this in a devotion this week and just it, my mind went to it. They, they truly believed the teaching that they had grew up, they had learned. And because of the teaching and what they had learned, they failed to listen to Jesus. That's right. He told them over and over again, but they failed to hear. That's right. right? Mary didn't have the privilege of growing up and learning all that the law was entailed and everything there was about the Messiah. Mary didn't have that privilege. She was a woman. She didn't have that privilege. So when she sat at Jesus' feet and listened, she learned. And Mary understood that Jesus was not going to be with them very much longer. And so the Bible says she came and she poured out this ointment and she anointed him, and Jesus said it was for his burial. It was for his burial. Because she understood. They didn't have a clue. They didn't understand. All right, now, let's move on. Verse number 9. Much people of the Jews, therefore, knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he raised from the dead. Now, this implies to me that the raising from the dead happened very close to six days, right? right? I mean, listen, if he was raised from the dead, I don't think people would wait several weeks or months to come see Lazarus. Right. I, I need somebody to help me. I mean, you know as well as I do, if, you, if something's going on, if a big event happens, you want to be in it, in on it. An ambulance goes riding by you. I need somebody to help me. Some of you turn around and follow the ambulance. Amen. Don't lie. Don't lie. 
And for those of you that said, that's crazy, I would never do anything like that. You're on Facebook going, hey, what just happened down here on 376? I just had an ambulance go by me and five cop cars. What's going on? And then the rest of y'all are getting on there. I don't know, but I heard that 10 people were killed. And I mean, y'all come up with all kinds of stuff. Is everybody all right? Why? Because we knows he won, all right? Uh, but the truth is, when something significant happens, we all want to know what it is. We, wa- we all want to be, be in on it, right? And so for them to now be coming to this supper to see Lazarus, I have a feeling that Lazarus, uh, this whole scenario, chapter number 11 and chapter number 12, happened pretty close together, all right, now look at verse number 10, and I'm done. Verse number 10 doesn't have anything to do with the sermon, but I, I wanted you to see this because this is the end of kind of like this portion. And it says here, it says, but the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus, everybody say this word with me, also to death. So you'll remember in chapter number 11, they were going to kill, J, uh, they, they put, uh, they consulted of how they would kill Jesus. But now in chapter number 12, they're ready to kill Lazarus too. Because killing Jesus isn't enough. You got to kill the testimony of him as well. Is everybody all right? Uh, And so uh, they had to kill Lazarus as well as Jesus. But we're going to look this morning, as you can imagine, at Mary. And uh, I want to, just for a few moments, look at Mary and look at her worship And I want you to be reminded as we go through this that Mary did know that this was possibly the last opportunity that she would have to worship Jesus. Is everybody with me? In person. Now, I ain't saying that you can't worship him at the house, and I ain't saying none of that. I ain't saying that she couldn't worship him at the house. But Mary knew that his time was near, that his hour was coming and that he would die. And so Mary takes the opportunity and Mary worships him. And though everybody else in the building, and though everybody else in the room, they opposed of it. Mary, she knew and therefore she gave him all that she had. As we look at this morning, I want you to notice first off her awareness. I want you to notice Mary's awareness uh, uh, through Mary's devotion. Uh, We find Mary three times in Scripture, and every time we find Mary, she is at Jesus' feet. Have you thought about that? We find Mary in Luke chapter number 10, and the Bible says that Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus, and Martha was cumbered about serving. Remember, Martha comes to Jesus and and she says, are you going to just let her sit here? I'm paraphrasing, by the way. Are you just going to let her sit here while I'm doing all this work? Make her get up and at least wash the dishes. And Jesus told told Martha that Mary had chosen that good thing and it will not be taken away, away from her. And so Mary, we see Mary's awareness is through her devotion. I've already said this, but the disciples, most of them had some type of learning in the law and learning of the Messiah. 
Mary probably more than likely did not. That's my words. That's not some commentator. I'm just, uh, I, I'm honestly assuming because of the culture that a woman would not have had access to that type of teaching. And so Mary's teaching was from Jesus where their teaching was back in tradition. And now their teaching, uh, what they had learned, they refused to put aside when the Messiah was sitting right with them. And so we see Mary's devotion. She was aware and she knew what was going on because of her devotion. Every time we find her, we find her at Jesus' feet. Now last week we found her in John chapter number 11. How many of y'all remember that? And the Bible says she ran to Jesus and fell at his feet. Is everybody all right? She sat at his feet in Luke chapter number 10 and John chapter number 11. Her brother had died. She said, if you'd have been here, he hadn't have died. But she ran to Jesus and fell at his feet. And I, I look at this as surrender. Not only we see Mary's devotion, but we see her development. As Mary sat at his feet, Mary learned. And Mary developed, and she developed into a place in Luke chapter number 11 where she surrendered. Is everybody all right? I hope you're getting this. Because here, here's the process of a disciple. We sit at Jesus' feet and learn and then we fall at his feet and surrender. And now in John chapter number 13, we serve at his feet. We wash his feet, right? And worship. Is everybody understanding? And most people don't see that, but, but this, is, this is the three pictures that we have of Mary in Scripture. She sits at his feet and she learns. She fell at his feet and she surrendered to his will. And then in John chapter number 12, which is where we're at this morning, she washes his feet or she serves at his feet and she worships. Her awareness, we see it through her devotion and her development. Now let me ask you this. You've been saved, some of you have been saved a long time. How developed are you? <laughs> How developed are you? See, it wasn't until Mary sat at his feet that she learned to surrender. I need, y'all, y'all, I got four more points and y'all ain't with me right now and I just don't feel like moving to the next point until we understand. As many of us that want to get, we want to get just a little bit of Jesus. Just enough. I'm going to come, I'm going to come to church, but I ain't going, mm. I, I, I might make it on Sunday morning or I might not, or I might make it the next Sunday. And then we wonder why we behind those that sat at his feet all the time. We call ourselves disciples, but the truth is, is that we're not really disciples. Even though the disciples walked with him, they didn't learn of him. Oh man, y'all ain't getting this, but I'm throwing it down. I'm going to throw it out there anyhow, right? You call yourself a disciple all you want to. That's right. But a true disciple learns and sits at the feet of Jesus. You take that however you want to, but you, you need to understand something. There's too many of us that are calling ourselves something that we are not. She sat at his feet and she learned. And because she sat at his feet and she learned, she learned that she could trust him. And so the next time we see her at his feet, she falls at his feet and says, Lord, I surrender. In other words, I don't understand 
what's going on in my life. I don't understand why Lazarus is dead. I know that you could have kept him from dying, but if it's your will, I trust. Mm. See, you don't get that when you attend church. I need somebody to help me. When you attend church on this, uh, 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 this uh, I'll do it when I please me, uh, schedule, then we find ourselves in our darkest time running to the church and saying, I need God, I need, I need somebody to help me. Amen. But those that are there, those that are sitting at his feet, when they fall on their darkest time, they don't come to church and tell everybody they need God. They, they call out on the one they know to help them. Is everybody all right? Now, I ain't telling you don't come to church and call on God. I'm just telling you that in development, Mary sat at his feet, she learned of him, and because she learned of him, she surrendered to him. That's right. And now we find Mary serving. We find Mary serving. Do you realize that we haven't seen Mary serve? A matter of fact, there was some of y'all when I preached all the way back, I don't remember when it was, but when I preached about Martha and Mary, we all looked at Mary and said, she was lazy. I need somebody to help me. If you got a sibling, you understand Martha very good. Especially if you got a younger sibling. I got a sister that's eight years younger than me, and I understand Martha well. <laughs> Is everybody all right? I relate to Martha a lot more than I do Mary, and I, I, I just need everybody to help me. I'm sitting there, my, I, my parents made me do everything while that little snot-nosed brat did nothing. Somebody to help me. But now we find Mary. Is everybody all right? Now we find Mary. She has learned. She has developed. She's now surrendered. Amen. Good. Come on now. So what's her natural? What is the natural action of somebody that has learned and has developed to the point of surrender? To serve. So now we find Mary serving. When everybody else is, mm, good Lord. When everybody else is sitting, Mary is serving. Her awareness. Now I want you to notice with me this morning her actions. I want you to notice her actions with me this morning. I want you to notice first off her surroundings. Mary walks into a room where every disciple at that table should have known what was going on, but nobody did. She walked into a room where every disciple at that table should have been worshiping, but none of them were. She walked into a room where everybody should have celebrated Jesus, but yet they weren't. And so Mary comes in and her surroundings we see, and we see her surrender once again. Now, preacher, how does she surrender? The Bible tells us that she fell down, she got at his feet and washed his feet. I look, and man, doing this study and all, and as you look at this, to wash his feet, not, not, or not to anoint his head, but she anointed his feet. It was the position of a slave. Is everybody all right? Uh, not anybody would just come and wash the feet. You'll remember there's another story in the Bible where one come and, and he should have offered Jesus a place to wash his feet and he did not do so. And so the Bible tells us that this woman anointed his feet with her tears and wiped his feet, wiped them dry with her hair. You'll remember that. Uh, this story, Jesus is showing us as we move through and as we progress, we see Mary surrender and Jesus is showing us she left it all on the line. Pride and everything. Is everybody all right? Amen. 
And she got at his feet and she anointed it with the oil, the ointment and she wiped it with her hair. Amen. A complete surrender. We, I was with some ladies this weekend, my wife and somebody else. And anyhow, we get up and we got up late because we stayed out late. We get up late and we go, we're going to go to breakfast. I need everybody to help me right here, all right? If y'all notice my hairdo, is everybody all right? I literally can walk into the bathroom and put my hands up under water and go, all right, I'm ready to go. I need somebody to say amen. Chris, you understand? This is, a, this is the beauty. This is, the, this is what's so awesome about having a hairdo like mine, all right? Now, I don't suggest this for women. I need somebody to help me. I need somebody to help me. We like y'all to look like women. Is everybody all right? But in this house, we get up and I'm ready. Put on some deodorant. Everybody say amen. Amen. You need deodorant. I'm just giving a little lesson here to some of y'all. Brush my teeth. Somebody say amen. amen. All right. We got deodorant. Check. Teeth are brushed or toothbrush for some of y'all. Check. <laughs> Sorry. Hair is ready. Is everybody all right? <laughs> I'm ready to walk out the door. No. We ain't going no. I, I think it was even said, I ain't going nowhere looking like this. This was my words. Nobody knows you here. I'm in Daytona. You know what I mean? We are on the beach. I mean, the wind is blowing. Nobody cares what your hair looks like, especially when they're hungry. But we wasn't leaving until every hair was in place. We wasn't leaving. Oh, y'all, I need somebody. I need some man to help me. I need you to grow up. I mean, grow a backbone right now and say, Amen, preacher. Amen. Wednesday morning, I get up. I told Michelle, I said, Let me know when you're about ready. She says, All right. And she panics because she thinks it takes me a long time to get ready. So she's in there. She's been getting ready, doing all this other stuff. She says, I'm about ready. I jump up. I run in there. I take a shower. I mean, I'm brushing my teeth. I do everything. I even pack my clothes for the trip on the morning before we went. I'm sitting there with my suitcase going, You ready yet? Is everybody all right? An hour later, are we going? I'm going to take you to lunch, but if you don't get in the car right now, we won't make it to lunch till 3 o'clock this afternoon. Got to fix that hair. Somebody help me. I'm glad. Don't get me wrong. I'm glad. But for a woman to put her hair down, especially in this time, in this, and for her to use her hair to clean the feet, oh, I need somebody to help me. I mean, mm. everybody in here, you thinking, oh, Jesus' feet were so precious. They were dirty. <laughs> Jesus didn't walk around with glowing feet. Is everybody all right? <laughs> Amen. There was a reason that 
They washed his feet when they walked into a room, all right? It wasn't Jesus didn't walk in and say, feet be washed, and they were clean. Is everybody all right? <laughs> and yet, her surrender. That's right. Are you hearing me? Amen. She gave up her beauty. So y'all don't even understand all that. Y'all sitting there, some of you women are mad because I done, I done revealed how wicked you are. I got some ugly looks, man. I'm telling you what. There's some women right now want to shoot me, all right? Is everybody all right? He's holding his wife back right there. But she gave it all. She just surrendered it all and said, I don't care what I look like. Man, see, for, for the custom of this day, for a woman to let down her hair, she would be looked at as morally loose or a prostitute, but she didn't care. Mary shows us true, mm, she, tr- she shows us true worship in her actions and that she didn't care about what everybody else saw. Everybody listen to me, listen to me good. Some of us won't worship because we're worried what somebody else might think about us. Some of us won't raise our hand because we feel like it's going to uh, humiliate us. Uh, It's going to make us a a spectacle and everybody's going to be looking at us and and this, that, and the other. But the truth is Mary didn't care what anybody else thought about us. God, give us Christians that don't care what everybody else thinks about us. We see her surrender, but we see her sacrifice. Mary poured out a pound of ointment. I got, this is what I had in my office. This is some polo black. And uh, I, I just got it in my office. This is my emergency stuff. Is everybody all right? <laughs> and and uh, anyhow, I was reading on this thing, and it's, it's four ounces. A full bottle of this. Is everybody all right? I could pour this out. I need somebody to help me. And you would smell it. Is everybody all right? Don't it smell good? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Frank, I'm trying to help you. (laughs) Hey. 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 There's one thing I like. It's cologne. I went this week. I bought me some cologne. Is everybody all right? mm. Now, I didn't buy any polo black. I got got it. But there was some other stuff, some new stuff. I'm in. Michelle. It's good, ain't it, Michelle? <laughs> this is how we do it. We go and we get put it on, and she's like, when Michelle goes, mmm, that's like, hey, this is the one. I want this one. Put it in the bag, all right? Four ounces. Is everybody all right? Mary poured out four of these. Four of these in a room. That's a lot smaller than what we're meeting in. Amen. I need somebody to hear me right now. We, we, we see this. We think, oh, you know what? It's a pound, a pound, a pound ain't much. <clears throat> Let's go into one of them Sunday school classes back there and get in that Sunday school class and let me pour out four bottles of this right here and let's see where we're at. Do you understand? Listen to me. The odor. Filled the house. 
John said there wasn't anywhere you could go. There was nowhere that you could go that you couldn't smell it. In other words, I, I, I just wanted you to understand the sacrifice. Judas said it like this. That could have been sold for 300 pence. You know what Judas was saying? Everybody listen to me. We could have sold that. That is one man's earnings, wages, for an entire year. Not a tithe, not 10%. Mary poured out what a man... Mm, See, y'all didn't hear that. What a man's wage would have been for a year. Mary didn't have that. Mary, we, we, we live in a society where equal rights are fought for for women, but not in this day. Mary didn't have the same opportunities. Mary wasn't allowed to go work in the workplace. She wasn't allowed to go put her name out there and put her resumes out there. This wasn't the Gentiles. This was a Jewish woman. That's right. This was an accumulation, not of a year for her, but for years. Amen. Judas just said it was the equivalent of one year's wage for a man. But it would have taken Mary... A lifetime. That's right. Come on. Would have taken Mary a lifetime. When we see that Mary poured out a pound of ointment, she poured out her life savings. That's right. When Mary got done, she had mm, nothing left to give. <laughs> Mary wasn't given the reserves. Jesse, man, you had this conversation this week about people donating meat to the church that was freezer burnt. Like so many of us will give what we don't want to God. I need somebody to help me. We'll give what we don't want to God. Mary gave, remember when Jesus was looking there and the, the, the widow came through and she put in her two mites and Jesus was looking as they came through and Jesus said she gave more than everybody that's come through here. Because she gave everything she had. And so many of us will give Jesus in worship what we don't want. When Jesus gave, or when Mary gave Jesus everything she had. Mary realized that Jesus, go ahead, man, I'm done. I ain't going to preach the rest of it. That Jesus, this was it. Mary was aware that this might be the very last time that she could do this. Amen. See, we're moving. We're in the last week. Right. Some say this happened on Saturday. Palm Sunday next week. Right? Amen. In our scripture study. That's where we would be at. Next week we're going to talk about Jesus entering into Jerusalem. 
But Mary here, six days prior to the Passover, her thought is, he may not pass this way again. That's right, come on. He may not come through here again. And so she gave him everything she had. Ain't somebody hear me? Because you and I are in the same boat. We may not have next Sunday to worship Him. We might not have Wednesday night. We might be in the last week. The trumpet could sound. We could be called out of here and say, Preacher, but we'll be worshiping Him there. Now, some of you are going to have to, you, you, I'm telling you, you're going, to have to, you're going to have to take some courses when we get there. Because we've not learned how to worship Him here. And you think you're just going to go up there and fit in? Mary surrendered. She sacrificed. She gave it all in the surroundings of those that should have been but weren't. Oh, and she had an adversary. Oh, Judas. He stood over there and questioned why she... mm, I said I wasn't going to preach it, but I don't know if I can't. Judas sat over there and said, why did you pour that out on him when it could have been given to the poor? John reveals his motives. He, he didn't care about the poor, but I need you to understand this. Judas, he thought it was too great a sacrifice. That's right. Judas thought it was too extravagant. Amen. Judas thought, oh, he ain't worth it. That's right. Come on now. Judas had the privilege of walking with Jesus for three years. He had the privilege of the power of God on his life. He had the privilege to preach and to, to heal the sick and to, uh, 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 to, to uh, 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 cause the, the, the blind to see. He had all the, God had gifted all them men with the power to do all of those things. And now he stands there and says, he ain't worth what you're doing. Mary, we, we read about Mary three times. We have three incidents in her life where she's with Jesus and we know that she spent more time than that. But the Bible only gives us three instances where she's in His presence, she is with Jesus, and she says He's worth all of it. And the one that was most familiar with Him says, nah, He ain't worth that. It infuriated Judas to the point where he went and said, I'm going to go get me 30 pieces of silver for this joker. That's right. I mean, this act of worship by Mary is what put Judas over the top. That's right. I need somebody to hear me. Amen. Judas was so upset about how somebody else worshiped Amen. God. And he said in his heart to betray him. <laughs> I don't understand worship. I really don't. 
I come to church and I, I was, the first time I went to Victory, Dr. Larry Brown was just a nut. I mean, I, I wish y'all could have, some of y'all got to meet him. I brought him in uh, there towards the end of his life, but I just wish you could have met this man. Man, he loved the Lord. He worshiped. And we had people of all different kind of, th- I mean, people run laps. First time I've been to church, I sat in a church where you couldn't even get an amen, a holy grunt out of somebody. And the first time I went to Victory, I'm sitting there, and there was this guy named Joe, and Joe was like six foot four, six foot five. And Joe had some training, but he, man, he had his shirt, he was in a, had his tie on, and I was sitting on that second row. And man, it got good. Preacher wasn't even preaching yet. Man, he comes running by and my Bible closed. Woo! He running full speed, brother Johnny. His tie was back here. I'm like, what in the world have I got myself into? Man, before it was over that auditorium, almost 2,000 people. There was about five or six of them running. I can remember thinking to myself, they better put a red light up there at the altar put some arrows down on the floor or something. Somebody needs to know which way to turn and when to do it. Man, I struggled. Never seen anything like that before. I watch people raise their hands and I'm like, well, they got a question? What are they doing? I never, I never learned. I never knew. Watch people stand up and just cry. Watch people just stand up. Just stood there. Watch people fall on the altar and weep. I'd never seen that. I'd never seen altars full. Never seen people on the altar where I never seen all of that. Amen. I was so skeptical of it. I remember the first camp meeting, we're out there in the sawdust. Brother Larry, man, he just honed in on me. And I remember him telling me, he said, son, if you want what you see here, then you're going to have to get out of your, mm, your shell. And I remember sitting there going, I, I ain't ready. I just wasn't ready. Dalton jumps up. Dalton was, I don't remember how old Dalton was. Michelle, do you remember how old he was? Dalton jumps up. He comes running across the front of the, uh, in the sawdust. Dalton comes running across the front and Michelle, she's beating my ribs to death. Does everybody understand? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I'm like, I I didn't stand him up. Is everybody all right? (laughs) My youngin was worshiping before I was. Dalton didn't, I, I, I mean, he maybe 12 years old or something. He ain't know nothing. He ain't know no better. He know he was he was probably 11, 10 or 11 years old. And he just jumps up and starts running. My first thought was, boy, you embarrass me. I'll beat you to death. But then I'm sitting there in the church service thinking, oh, yeah, God will honor that. <laughs> Michelle's beating me in the side going, what are you going to do about it? I said, I ain't get him up. I ain't doing nothing about it. struggle with it. I studied. Brother Sheldon, I got my Bible out. I got all kind of I studied and studied and studied. What's right? What's wrong? 
If that's right, then how do I fix me being wrong? Man, it was, it was a difficult time. Many of you have never been through that because you walked into our church and, man, you just started worshiping because everybody else was worshiping and it was just, this might have been your first experience. But for me, it was tough. I called a preacher up. I know y'all have heard this story. I don't care. I called him. Mm, can I share some things? This preacher that I'm fixing to talk about, when I was here, when I first got here, we didn't have no money. I went to preach for this preacher and him and his wife, his wife was sitting there at the table and she was doing the books for their church. It was a startup and they didn't have money to pay the rent on the building they were in. I went before the church and we didn't have no money and I asked the church, I said, listen, Lord, laid it on my heart. Let's pay two months rent so this church can keep going. I had people upset. They were mad about it and everything else. Best God, if God's closing the doors, just let God close the doors. Don't do, don't, we don't need to be sending money to another church. That church this week closes on a brand new building. That, is everybody all right? Hey, I was one of the first people he called, Brother Robbie. We're closing on the building Tuesday at such as at four o'clock. I said, when y'all moving in? He said, Tuesday at five o'clock. <laughs> Purchased it with cash. Amen. No debt. I need somebody to help me. Amen. I called that preacher up. He'd been involved in my life since I was a teenager, and I called him up, and he was from the same church that I was. He was from the same background that I was, and I said, Brother Mike, I said, I'm sitting here, and I'm watching people raise their hand. I'm watching people run laps. I'm watching people pray. I'm watching all these things. I don't understand any of it. I said, do you do all that stuff? Of course, if you know Brother Mike, he had a broke neck and everything. Hey, I ain't running nowhere, boy. But I asked him, I said, you raise your hand? He says, yeah, yeah, I do. And on the phone, I told this man, I'll never forget it. I said, I ain't raising my hand. I got too much pride. Everybody says, woo, but I mean, I, I, I was in, you've been there. At some point in your life, you've been there. I just, said the, I just said the quiet part out loud. And I can remember at that moment, I don't remember anything else of the conversation because the Holy Spirit just set in. Is that the reason that you won't worship me? Oh, I need somebody to help me. You want to talk about conviction. Felt like I'd been split in half and opened up for the whole world to see God. Mm. So, let me get this straight. You refuse to worship me because of pride. I had to come to a place like Mary like you need to do That's right. Come on. where he's everything That's right. it doesn't matter what my wife thinks about it That's right. man I'm, I'm supposed to lead her I wish my family would worship are you That's right. remember what brother Larry told me if you want this you've got to worship That's 
Men, if you want this in your home, you got to be the one that leads it. <laughs> you want your kids to raise a hand, have the freedom and the liberty to raise a hand, to say amen and hallelujah and praise the Lord in church? Let them see it in their daddy. Let them see it in their mama. I don't understand why they all sat there while she worshiped. Till I walk into a church and I see one or two people raising their hand and worshiping. Everybody else just sitting there. Say, preacher, I got to feel it. Ain't nothing about worship, about feelings. Worship is assigning value to something. Mary broke an alabaster box. Mary broke a bottle of spikenard ointment, a pound's worth. She broke that because he was worth more than that. Judas, he broke the trust. He broke. He broke things too. That's right. She broke it based off how she valued Jesus, and he broke things based off of. Mm, mm, mm. Man, I wish I could get this out how I'm feeling it. But there's many of us that are breaking things. We break our family over a job. We break our family over a dispute in the church. We'll break fellowship with the Lord because they didn't do this like I thought they should have done this. When if we really come together like Mary, assigned value like Mary did, you wouldn't care what somebody else said about you. You wouldn't, mm, we wouldn't find, mm. I'm trying to get it out. We wouldn't find so many faults in others if our eyes was focused on his feet. That's right. Come on now. If, mm, if we were in the right position, That's right. Mm, we wouldn't notice so much going on around us. The ones that had the problem wasn't looking at Jesus. The ones that had the problem with what was going on in that room, they didn't have their eyes on Jesus. Should have, but they didn't. The invitation this morning is come get your eyes back on Jesus. Come find a place. Bow your heads. Come find a place. This could be your last time. Could be your last sermon. Could be your last church service. 
Mary knew. She understood. Therefore, she gave it all she had. Lord, we thank you this morning. Lord, as we enter into these last seven days walking with you. God, we realize the heaviness. Lord, that you were feeling and yet the ignorance of those that were around. But Mary knew. And in this act of worship, Mary gave all that she had. In spite of who was there, in spite of the circumstances, She placed your value above all else. The disciples who walk with you. And no doubt they loved you. But they missed that good thing that Mary learned. God, I pray that we're not missing. God, there's so many distractions in our life and so many things that we give our attention to, so many things that we would, or that we're willing to break in our lives to chase after, to devote our time and our efforts to. And yet, Lord, the only thing worthy is you. The only one worthy is you. God, may we may we leave here this morning. Evaluate our lives, evaluate our worship. Turn our hearts to you, get our eyes on you. Stop looking around the room. Start leading. Worship as though every opportunity we have for corporate worship may be our last. May we honor you with our words. May we honor you with our lives. May we honor you with our actions. May our actions speak louder than our words. God, I love you. I pray, Lord, you give us a love for you like Mary had. A desire to worship you as Mary did. In Jesus' name I pray.